Hello again, Bruiser Nation, and welcome to yet another edition of the Bruce Cruise Podcast. And I know I use a lot of nostalgia for my podcast, but this week I have to talk about my favorite matches from WrestleMania 36. So get ready to take a ride on the Bruise Cruise as we relive one of the strangest but entertaining WrestleManias, at least for this guy, in a long time. And we're going to start off uh, talking about uh, Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. Um, as far as I am concerned, Sami Zayn is one of the best cowardly heel characters that we've seen in a long time. Maybe even since the Honky Tonk Man. I mean, The Miz did a good job, but this is leaps and bounds above that. It's not only the cowardly heel, but it's also entertaining and it plays a big part in his matches. Ben basically spent half of the thing running away from Daniel Bryan and aside from the Intercontinental Championship being the backstory for this matchup, it was also the fact that no one has really been able to get get their hands on a Sami Zayn for a few months now, and not only did he get to do his cowardly heel thing, but he also got his comeuppances per se because Daniel Bryan did beat the living hell out of him when he finally did get a hold of him, and everybody involved did a really good job considering the circumstances of no crowd in attendance. It, it never... It never felt like Cesaro and Nakamura were ever just there. They always served a purpose and, and also Drew Gulak. And it was also the little things like Drew Gulak telling Daniel Bryan to grit his teeth when Sami Zayn was making his comeback. And yes, the, the finish was kind of abrupt, to say the least. That haluva kick that Sami Zayn delivered to Daniel Bryan as Daniel Bryan was jumping off of the top rope was like all of a sudden and now it's over. So I thought at the end of the day, the right finish happened because you were able to put over the indie American dragon Daniel Bryan and just how truly vicious he can be at the same time staying true to the Sami Zayn heel cowardly heel character just just escaping with the grit of his teeth with the Intercontinental Championship. And overall, I'd, I'd say it's about a 7, 8 out of 10. Um, one of, and this is one of those matches where it was really good and really entertaining, but the crowd not being there did hurt a little bit, but the effort was there. So overall, and I have to be an 8. That's really nitpicky because they told a great story without a crowd in attendance. And now next on this WrestleMania 36 excursion fest per se, because we're covering quite a few matches on this episode and we're going to probably extend it to the next one as well, because let's face it, 16 matches is a lot to cover. We are going to move forward with one of my favorite stipulations that you all know about if you have ever listened to the Bruise Cruise podcast, and that would be the, the ladder match or the triple threat ladder match for the tag team championships. Now it's a little convoluted, but I mean, coronavirus caused a lot of issues. And one of those issues is the amount of people allowed in a single area at a time. And so it was just safer for everyone involved to do a triple threat for the tag team championships. And as good as this match was, it was bound to be hurt from 
lack of a crowd because a lot of ladder matches are the big reactions from those big crazy bumps that the guys take in these matches and not to say that i wasn't oh oh my god that had to hurt like of course and i'm sure a lot of other people were but that reaction helps a lot in the ladder matches now these guys also they did a great job john morrison stole the show so to speak that tight rope walk into the spanish fly was absolutely ridiculous as was his starship pain from the tippity top of the turnbuckle onto jimmy Uso, who was on a ladder that was propped up across the middle ropes so the amount of athleticism alone to pull both of those off is pretty downright impressive as far as I'm concerned and the finish was spot on that was great because sometimes we forget and WWE does forget to mention that it's not just grabbing the championship when you're on top of the ladder you have to bring it down as well so it was a nice little addition to the psychology of the matchup having having all three of them hold the the belt holder and the belts and the attack on John Morrison by Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso ultimately cost them because he was able to hold on to the championships while taking a crazy bump from the ladder through another ladder to the canvas and retaining the tag team championships for himself and The Miz because you have to bring the title down with you. This one did kind of deserve an, an 8 out of 10 just, just effort alone. It wasn't overly long. They really got at it right away. It was weird at first with the three ladders in there, but it created a very interesting dynamic where there were sections of the ring almost always cut off and they had to work around the ladders and I thought they did a good job doing that. So it, in all, this is about an 8 out of 10. I'll watch it again when there's time. I am known as essential in my um, professional works. I'm not stuck at home all the time like everybody else. I mean, I am when I'm not working, but that's like one day a week right now. So you can talk about the new era, but it doesn't matter to me because I know what you really want. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you crave right now. Tonight, I give you the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. All right, and now we move on to, quite frankly, the in-ring matchup of the weekend. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship, and my God, was this matchup amazing. This was the main in-ring matchup that truly made you forget that there was no crowd. Uh, these two went out there and just, they stole the weekend, like I said on that little mini intro there, um, in-ring-wise. Uh, Charlotte, as a heel, is the best Charlotte, as far as I am concerned. She is more more focused and it really showed with the psychology of her attacking Ripley's knee and never stopping. I mean, she's doing front stops to the kneecap and wrap, wrapping the knee around the ring post and doing figure fours and really working the knee and you don't see that from her when she plays a baby face 
not only was her psychology great, but she really brought the best as far as I'm concerned that I've seen out of Rhea Ripley. I'm a fan of Rhea Ripley, but this was her best matchup on the roster. She looked like the never say die baby face with the attitude and they meshed way better than I thought they would. I figured they'd have a good match because they're both talented, but wow, that was amazing. Even though I picked Rhea Ripley to win this matchup and I was incorrect, I do think at the end of the day, the right superstar won. Rhea Ripley showed that she belongs at the top of the card, even in defeat. She was able to get put over by Charlotte Flair in a different way by ring work. And you can do this again, not only with Rhea Ripley, but with other young women on the roster. You know, put them in title matches and don't necessarily squash them. You can actually have competent, competitive matches 10, 15 minutes. I mean, you can do 10. 10 minute sh shoot matches with Charlotte Flair, whatever they want to call it, or the or do another open challenge where the time limit is 10 minutes or what have you, or not have a time limit at all, and really show what the young women can do, and they can actually get more experience that way as well by working with someone that has the veteran instincts that Charlotte Flair does. And overall, I think it will be good for NXT to have Charlotte as a champion for a little while, if only because we can get that. We can really see them start to build new stars in NXT by losing to Charlotte Flair for the Women's Championship, but actually having competitive matches for it, and oh, they're almost there, they just couldn't couldn't climb that mountain, so to speak. And that way, you can save the rematch for SummerSlam or Survivor Series to where Charlotte's been defending her championship, and now Rhea Ripley has brought herself back into the picture. Kind of a nice little slow burn for their rematch, because that was a rare matchup, and it really Really did make you forget that there was no crowd. They, it, the, no crowd at all, and it didn't matter to those two. They tore the house down, so to speak. I mean, ten out of ten, absolutely amazing. There's nothing to complain about it th about this matchup. This is one of those from WrestleMania that you definitely gotta go back and watch. And coming up, we're going to end the excursion this week by talking about one of the cinematic matches from this weekend. We'll save the other one for next week's episode, as well as the other matches I haven't been able to get to today, like the Women's Tag Team Championship matchup. Sit tight. This excursion on the Bruce Cruz Podcast continues just after this. Right, well, we have reached the main excursion of the Bruise Cruise Podcast, WrestleMania 36 edition, part one, where we're going to talk about The Undertaker versus AJ Styles in the first ever Boneyard match. Now, I didn't know what to expect from this uh, going in. I assumed it was going to be kind of like Buried Alive, I guess. I, I would, I'd give myself about a 25% correct on that because it was really just the finish that was a Buried Alive. Everything else was uh, unique, interesting, and entertaining. I couldn't look away. It was 
so well done and it was the little things like not stopping production when Undertaker cut himself and the trash talk Undertaker was giving to AJ Styles. I mean, he sounded like Clint Eastwood over here just beaten down on AJ Styles. Basically, the whole matchup was the Undertaker's that there were a little bit of when AJ Styles and the OC, with the help of some druids, were able to take a small advantage, but this matchup made the Undertaker look unstoppable. And I really want to see more of these. I don't want them to overdo it, but I think this could really extend the career of The Undertaker. This was so well done. The spots were well done. And it was a nice little homage to all of the characters of The Undertaker and signaling, I believe, a change in character for him to where I mean, we almost saw a little bit of everything from Dead Man Undertaker to Old Man Undertaker to the point where he was getting buried and then he magically pops up behind AJ Styles. Oh, you gotta love the magic of editing. And I mean, delivering tombstones on top of a barn. AJ Styles took that choke slam off the barn. Like everybody really did one hell of a job. Can I say phenomenal? Cause I'm gonna. They did a phenomenal job from the talents involved to the production team to make this not only memorable, but entertaining enough to want to watch again and again and again and again. I give this thing a 20, 30 out of 10. There's never been anything like it or since. And we'll talk about the Firefly Funhouse match next week on the Bruce Cruise Podcast. Now we move to the Universal Championship. Goldberg is your champion. Braun Strowman is your challenger, replacing Roman Reigns, who decided to not participate in WrestleMania this year due to the coronavirus and him having leukemia in the past makes him very susceptible to the coronavirus. So very proud of Roman Reigns and, and once again, what's he care what I think, but he made the right decision. He made the right decision for himself and his family. So I completely commend him for that. And as far as another right call, the right call was made to take the title off of Goldberg. I wasn't a fan of him beating The Fiend in the first place. And if the plan was to always take it from him, via Roman Reigns at WrestleMania just because Roman Reigns decided that it was not safe for himself to participate doesn't mean you change course. You continue course and just put another guy in there. And I think this will create um, a decent dynamic going forward. You can get a lot of title matches out of Braun Strowman with a whole bunch of other guys. He does work well with everyone as far as I have noticed. And the match itself is exactly what I expected. Anyone that didn't expect this hasn't been paying attention because this is all Goldberg has ever been his entire career it, you know except for that crazy Yakuza kick that he hurt Bret Hart with that's basically his move sets 
and those are basically his matches. So I don't understand the people that are like, oh, I can't believe that's all there was. That's all there's ever been with Bill Goldberg. And in saying that, Goldberg did do a really good job making Braun Strowman look like the monster among men. You could see it. Like, he's been the monster among men all this time, but it was different when we all thought he was going to get the title and then he didn't. His demeanor changed. His character attitude changed and I'm not sure why they made the change but it seems to me that he hopefully this brings back the throw people through things Braun Strowman but we'll just have to wait and see but and the matches that can develop from this I mean we could see Nakamura, Cesaro, Roman Reigns down the line I mean that's the big story here for Braun Strowman as far as defending the championship because not and not just because he replaced Roman Reigns at WrestleMania but because they have a really long history together yeah they've been kept kind of apart as far as matchups go the last couple of years but there for a good year they were feuding and throwing each other through things and pushing each other over in ambulances and we could see a form of that feud return here in the future whenever they're ready to revisit that and we're going to skip right to the next championship matchup which was drew mcintyre versus Barack Lesnar, and I am so happy to see that Drew McIntyre has finally reached the pinnacle of sports entertainment. He took a long, long road to get here. I was always a fan of his, even when he first started, and he really did the work, and the lack of crowd hurt a few things in this matchup. Um, I kind of expected it to be short, just knowing that you have to make Drew McIntyre look absolutely unstoppable. And the best way to do that against Brock Lesnar is to hurry up and get it over with. And Brock Lesnar did a good job not only selling the Claymore, but putting the hurt on Drew McIntyre there for a minute with the three German suplexes and the multiple F5s. I believe it was three of them as well. And even sitting at home with no crowd, when he delivered that first F5 to Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre kicked out at one, my jaw dropped. Now, like I said, I wanted Drew to win. I picked him to win. I assumed that either way, crowd or no crowd, they were moving past Brock Lesnar being the champion at this point in time. And I proved to be correct, but I did not expect the F5 to be kicked out of at one and not only that the next one he kicked out and the one after that now those were both at two it's rare like a cow still mooing rare for anyone to kick out of the f5 let alone f1 and let alone of multiple f5 so drew mcintyre is ultimately um, unstoppable right now and i'm really excited for where this is going to go too you're really going to have to build people up to give mcintyre a nice solid reign and the one thing that drew mcintyre has is that he's not yeah the fans are cheering for him but he's like the 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 stone cold steve austin anti-hero kind of a guy he really doesn't care if you like him per se. He's just going to go out there and do his job and do it well and put a hurting on somebody regardless of whether you boo him or you cheer him. The Claymore is now the move 
in the WWE. Overall, I gave this one an 8 out of 10 just by surprises alone. I assumed maybe one F5 would get kicked out of, but then he kicked out at one, and I was shocked. Jaw dropped. Congratulations to Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman for both of them winning their championship matches and becoming champion for the first time. All right, and now we move on to, quite frankly, the in-ring matchup of the weekend. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship, and my God, was this matchup amazing. This was the main in-ring matchup that truly made you forget that there was no crowd. Uh, these two went out there and just, they stole the weekend, like I said on that little mini intro there, um, in-ring wise. Uh, Charlotte as a heel is the best Charlotte as far as I am concerned. She is more focused and it really showed with the psychology of her attacking Ripley's knee and never stopping. I mean, she's doing front stops to the kneecap and wrapping it around, wrapping the knee around the ring post and doing figure fours and really working the knee. And you don't see that from her when she plays a baby face. Not only was her psychology great, but she really brought the best as far as I'm concerned that I've seen out of Rhea Ripley. I'm a fan of Rhea Ripley, but this was her best matchup on the roster. She looked like the never say die chick with an at <clears throat> never say never say die baby face with the attitude and they meshed way better than I thought they would. I figured they'd have a good match because they're both talented, but wow, that was, um, even though I picked Rhea Ripley to win this matchup and I was incorrect, I do think the, at the end of the day, the right superstar won. Rhea Ripley showed that she belongs at the top of the card, even in defeat. She was able to get put over by Charlotte Flair in a different way by ring work. And you can do this again, not only with Rhea Ripley, but with other young women on the roster. Put them in title matches and don't necessarily squash them. You can actually have competent, competitive matches 10, 15 minutes. I mean, you can do 10. 10 minute sh shoot matches with Charlotte Flair, whatever they want to call it, or the or do another open challenge where the time limit is 10 minutes or what have you, or not have a time limit at all, and really show what the young women can do and they can actually get more experience that way as well by working with someone that has the veteran instincts that Charlotte Flair does and Overall, I think it will be good for NXT to have Charlotte as a champion for a little while, if only because we can get that. We can really see them start to build new stars in NXT by losing to Charlotte Flair for the Women's Championship, but actually having competitive matches for it and, oh, they're almost there. They just couldn't, couldn't climb that mountain, so to speak. 
and that way you can save the rematch for SummerSlam or Survivor Series to where Charlotte's been defending her championship and now Rhea Ripley has brought herself back into the picture. Kind of a nice little slow burn for their rematch because that was a rare matchup and it really did make you forget that there was no crowd. They No crowd at all and it didn't matter to those two. They tore the house down so to speak I mean 10 out of 10 absolutely amazing there's nothing to complain about at this about